It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. What's up, Carla? What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, man. And thank you for saying yes, first of all, to doing something that is, for us, it's something that as we bring guests on the show, it's always interesting to meet people with different yeah. backgrounds, different experience, different things they got going on in the world. So thank you for just like flinging yourself into the unknown, first of all. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. The first thing I just want to say, since this is the first time we're actually meeting today, yeah. which is... Well, you too. Carlo yeah. and I met in we person met. in our very we first That's time. true. That's we true. met at a Tesla supercharger, the greatest <laughs> place to meet people, if I you do not first, already know. I'll just give the quick context for yeah. that, is that I was charging my Tesla, my Model 3, at supercharger, which yeah. is, for people unfamiliar, you could charge your car in a number of ways. One of the fastest, most efficient ways is to go to a Tesla supercharger. Gas and they're located for Teslas. All across, yeah, it basically <laughs> is. Yeah. yeah. And they're located across most cities. And so in LA, there's a few that I go to. And one night I went and I saw Carlo's Model X, which is different from my Model 3. And it was this beautiful, or is, I should say. Is this still it the same still, color? Yeah, for, for the time being. It's kind of like a, a cool goldish mustard. <laughs> it's like, like a, it changes from like gold to like a yellow green yeah. in the sun. So That's wasabi, so it goes from cool. gold to wasabi-ish? And, yeah, wasabi, but, oh. but, like but it also can be banana yellow. Oh, also. wow. Ooh, I love so that So it kind of has everything in between. Yeah. <laughs> I'm suddenly hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I love the word banana yellow. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I saw his car and yeah. I want to get a wrap on my car. So for anyone who's not familiar with car language, it basically means you're wrapping your car in a color and you can, there's all these different options. I want to get purple. And so I saw his car and I, I wanted to go ask where he got it done. But yeah. it was funny is that I ran into your dad's you first mm -hmm. and I talked to your dad at like the elevator, like I was going yeah. downstairs for something and it's, it's in like a mall and uh, I talked to your dad and he was like, oh, it's actually my son's car. Yeah. So when you come back, I'll introduce you to him. And I walked over to your car just to ask about the wrap. Yeah. But then you and I ended up having this really great in-depth conversation months ago. And I yeah, just this was like six knew. months. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was in April. That was when we first moved here. Like we were living in hotels at this time because we Who's did not we? have a place. Me, me and Hugo. So Hugo okay. actually is my business partner who uh, moved out here with me. We moved here from San Diego where we first started the business and we moved here to do some expansion and we were living in hotels at the time and like extended stays cool. and we were probably staying right there near Glend Glendale was the city at the time we were staying near. And yeah, so that's actually where we met. And that was yeah. basically our situation that we were living out of at that time when we all kind of got together. Okay, so I want to know, you're living out of hotel rooms and extended stays. Yeah, so, that was what it was at that time. Okay, so what is that experience like to uproot yourself right, yeah. from San Diego? And you mentioned we'll talk about the business and the entrepreneurship yeah. and all the cool stuff you've sure. got going on. But I'm super curious. Like, That's uprooting yourself from your living situation. Yeah. Living in a hotel extended stay in a new city. Whole new situation. You've yeah. got your bro with you. You've got your business partner. But what's that like on an emotional and physical level to just like be chilling in a hotel, like living at a hotel? Yeah. No, it, it's very crazy. And, and, and there's even a greater backstory behind it because we literally were living in the time in a city about 60 miles south of there. Very small city, probably about 100,000 people. I mean, that's small to the, the comparisons of Los Angeles being at like 5 million. And we literally decided we had full lives here. Hugo had a job. He was making pizzas. I was doing some clothing sales and stuff like that. And literally we said, 
let's apply to get jobs in LA. And when it hits, literally pack up a suitcase and leave from our nine to five lives. This was our push. This was the risk of like, we don't know. We're jumping into complete uncertainty. Let's do it. So we got jobs, it landed, and we ended up for the first week, week and a half of our jobs living in these extended stays. And that was how we worked. So we would basically get up in the morning, like six, throw everything in our car, go to work, and then in the night, come back to an extended stay. And we did that for like two weeks until we found out. That was this year, 2019. Yeah, and that was literally going from having a full-time job in another city to leaving there and then now coming to this brand new city and having full-time jobs again, somewhere completely new. And emotionally... It was a roller coaster. I mean, it was because we got disconnected from friends, family, everyone back home. And it was a completely new experience. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with, I just turned 20. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I did. So it was, uh, it was July 1st. So it was about a month back, a month and a half. And yeah, I mean, for someone 20 in general to be kind of doing stuff like this, it can be a bit scary to add on top of it that we kind of still don't really have any like social ties into the city is kind of interesting. We just have a few friends here and there. But it's been been a really, really, really like growing growth experience to kind of go through and uh, continue forward. And so it's been great overall. What's really interesting about you, I remember when, when I met you in the, at the Tesla yeah. parking lot, is that you feel to me like you've had so much life experience. And then when I found out how young you were, it was a bit mind-blowing because, I mean, Jason has very little context. What's really interesting so about funny. the two of us is that I've barely told him anything about you. That's great. <laughs> no, no legit, dude. So. All I knew coming in was that like he's a really happy, positive dude. Check. Yeah. He drives a dope Tesla. Check. Yeah. And he's going to be a cool guest. Okay, we'll find out. So yeah. I, I also came into this. No legit, man. Like Kind of like you, like never meeting each other until yeah. a few minutes ago. Yeah. yeah, And barely knowing anything about you. So yeah. that's why this is exciting on that and, layer. And to sort of yeah. add to that rawness, it's like I remember I literally read this and I was like, I'm not going to prepare. I'm going to walk in and make this as raw as possible. <laughs> and like, that sounds like super, oh, I didn't want to prepare. But at the same time, I was like, we need to make this raw. We want to make this real For me. And that's sure. kind of how I am all over the place in general. But yeah, that was really interesting on how we met and, and like how it was because I think that well, I, don't, I, really, I don't even know why we started talking about it. it must have been your dad or I remember your dad was sitting dad, there in you... the passenger seat and somehow like we all started talking and we were standing there for like half an hour chatting. And I also remember you were telling me about social media. Maybe we, yeah. we connected on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That might have been it. That was it. And then you started telling me about your social media background, yeah. which is fascinating. I just find you a very fascinating person. So, yeah. you know, everyone always says you can't get away from my father without having like a pretty life changing conversation. He's always Aww. been that guy. He's touched people in ways that pretty unexplainable. I mean, he's really like, he's met people, talked to them for 10 minutes. And honest to God, tell you that like, I can recall once or twice when they've literally gave us phone calls and said that averted me from maybe committing suicide or, or something deeper than that. So, I feel like I was raised in a really amazing environment because my father loved to talk and he loved talking to people. Also, was very interesting is my father had me at 45. My, dad, my father now that I'm 20 is 69 and my mother is 65. So I kind of do have that. Like I've lived a lot of life through them because mm. when I was five years old, I was already at dinner parties talking to people in suits and that at five, you know. So I kind of have lived a lot in that sense. We, we did do a lot with them. They were... Uh, real estate. So they moved around a lot and they did really extravagant things. Uh, I remember being courtside at Lakers games and right behind the dugout at Dodgers games because the clients were there and, and I got to go tag along with them. So yeah, there has been really, truly, even in my life, I feel really blessed to have done a lot of things and have uh, lived a lot of life. So that is true. And it's interesting that it shows. So on that subject, right? What do you feel is 
the power of connection, right? Like when we think about society right now, sure. you know, there's so much talk about isolation oh, and depression and yes. people with mental health issues. I yes. mean, I, I've certainly talked a lot publicly about, you know, my struggles with that. Sure. But with you talking about this kind of the way that you connect, like you yeah. have a big heart, you're very open, like yeah. we just met. Sounds like you got that from your father, your parents. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, my father. What, what do you feel the power of that connection, that willingness to put ourselves in new situations with people we don't know, with strangers, and be open and be loving and kind of be the invitation? Like, how do you see that as being important in our society right now? And wow. how do you see that show up in your life? Yeah, wow. I mean, that's such a great question. It's really hard for so many people to do that, I think, because we live in such a society now, and it's really hard to continue to be that person because everything's such, it's so critique. Everything, every single move you make, whether you're, I don't care if it's you have three friends and you don't know anyone, or you have a million followers on Instagram and you, everyone knows you, every single move nowadays is critiqued. And I think that that provides a lot of pressure on people and it kind of begins to shut people down. I know for a long time, I've had to, because I've wanted to be this loud, lovely person, I've had to take so much adversity and just brush it off. Every time I hear it, and I hear it probably on a weekly basis, someone will say, you're talking too loud. You're, you're, you're just, I'm too much of a, a bright personality there. I just have to brush it off because really you just have to surround yourself and focus yourself with the most positive and uplifting things. And then that will follow suit. I think that's how I really look at it because I'm very open about it too. I've been through some depression, some anxiety, really trying things. Yeah, it definitely is a problem. Isolation is a big issue in today's society. I, I think the original conversation I had with Whitney was something along the lines of, that social media has a lot to do with that. I'm a big firm believer in that. And like I said, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I was a influencer for some time. I posted 16 times a day on Instagram. It was basically my life. 16 times a day? Mm-hmm. For so, real? For real. Yeah, I posted 16 times a day. It was probably from 8 a.m. in the morning to 11 p.m. at night. Yeah, every hour. What? So, okay, was that part of an overall strategy? Was that yeah. something you were trying to... Yeah. What, so what were you trying so to accomplish before by Instagram changed its algorithm probably was like 2016, 2017. Right. No, it's like 2018. They changed it from chronological over to this new algorithm that basically says what you like and maps it out and all right. that. So before that, it was how much you posted that got you on top. So if I posted 16 times a day, I got more followers. I got more likes. I was blowing up. We got, I got 100,000 followers in a year. In a year? In a year. In eight months to a year, I was up to 100,000 followers. That's yeah. prolific, man. It was insane. Yeah. It blew up. It was one of the biggest. It was a Subaru page. So we posted modified Subarus. And it was one of the top five biggest in the world. Yeah. Wait, so, and this is something that wait, you did personally? I like did you personally. modded You modded yeah. Subies. I had five cars at once that were modified. That They weren't all Subaru. Probably two of them were. And then the rest were like BMWs, Nissans. But I had a YouTube channel going next to it. And I had five cars I was modifying myself as well as posting other people's builds. Yeah, wow. yeah. So like the best shots of other people's builds. So it was kind of just like a hub for Subaru stuff where like enthusiasts should just come and just hang out. So I was like 15, 16 going through this, always on my phone all day doing that, uh, kind of just living in this very reclusive world. I dropped out of school to pursue the business side of it because there was like uh, I was making stickers and banners and selling them for the, the hoarded crowd that was buying them. And I started towards the end of it, towards I would say like 2017, 2018, I started seeing a shift in Instagram to a more business side, as well as I started seeing and understanding the harmful effects of what it was doing to people. That's where I started to begin understanding and where my anxiety and my depression in the midst of all this started happening. And I really started getting a a broader perspective on everything and understanding that it's becoming a problem now. Talk about that, man. Like When you look back on that period, what aspects of 
your engagement with social media or social media in general, what do you think was fueling the feelings of anxiety and depression? Like, what I was think that like for you? Originally, it was criticism. So it was not being able to take, like, for example, I remember someone told me this once and it just blew my mind. They said, so you can have a hundred good comments and one bad one, and we will only focus on the bad one. And someone said, obviously, this is just like a, a way of looking at it, but it's almost like, think of like, in our minds, we have a fight or flight response. Right. We seek to look at what's wrong with us and fix it. So we will always focus on the bad. Someone's told me that. that and I was sense. like, whoa, yeah. this is crazy. So I'm realizing that as we're creating this bigger platform to be critiqued, we're actually hurting ourselves mentally because we're getting all these opinions that we didn't need before. Mm-hmm. And we're now seeing them. And even there's even such an aspect of personal judgment in Instagram where it comes down to, I am not as good as this person or right. this person. Sure. And that's one of the most damaging things too. So those two aspects I think are really damaging in Instagram right now. How do you think we can manage that? Like on a personal level, because it's clear that that social media is not going away. It's yeah. continuing to grow and mutate. Yeah. And my God, I mean, every single year, right? There's all these new platforms coming yeah. out. So how would you suggest that we collectively as humanity manage that on an emotional, mental, spiritual level? Sure. I think one of the biggest things is we need to stop making it so integral. I mean, I understand that it's integral Mm -hmm. and like from a a large perspective, it is for so many people, but we need to really, really value face-to-face conversations. We need to put our phones down. I make it a point. I don't know if you notice, but uh, you'll begin to notice if you're around me more. I actually don't never have my phone on my pocket. I will not allow it to be in my pocket at all. I usually will end up putting it on a table or near me when I sit down somewhere. It's just because I have it as a reminder there is this is not where I am right now. I'm, yeah. I'm here. This is not where I want to be. I'll be there when I need to be there. But it's not where I need to be right now. To me, it's so important that you capture all the moments in life and really just have them for you. I mean, I go to concerts and I see people living behind their phones through the whole oh, concert. Yeah. That I, blows my mind at concerts. It has gotten <laughs> to the point you go into a restaurant, everyone's on their phones, they're not even yeah. talking. It's getting scary and it's gotten yes. to the point of where I've actually been emotional and thinking, is there going to be no one to talk to at some point? Because people are so prepared. I mean, I'm seeing parents with little kids and they're just on iPads glued at three, four years old. Um, I live in Los Angeles. You see a lot of like younger parenting here. It's obviously like a lot of people are out and doing things because it's LA. So you get to see that a lot more. And I've seen that. And it's very scary really to think what this world could be like if it gets progressively worse. I mean, I imagine for you that being just turning 20, I mean, you just came out of being a teenager that your perspective on it is super interesting because that's been such a huge part of your life, mm-hmm. your life yeah. so far. And it's almost like, do you remember much about your life before life all this before technology? So, do I remember? <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, look, honestly, though, because I know it's funny, is. but it's I rem- like-, like, here's an example for me is that I remember like what it was like to fly on airplanes before 9-11. Yeah. Right. Okay. And how... Yeah, sure. Like so much change, not just TSA, but you could go and talk to the pilot, right? Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. So I remember like these little, yeah, you could go to the cockpit and we're not that much older than you, but no, but yeah, I was like three. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Like enough where our experiences are going to be slightly different than yours. And when I ask you, do you remember what it's like? I vaguely remember what it was like because what happens is it becomes the new norm. You right? Know so crazy. And yeah. that's the thing, it's been almost 20 years since 9 11. So your brain starts to forget what it's like previous to what you currently no, know. And so, so it's right. like the new world versus the old world. So it's almost like I barely remember what it's like 
before I got my iPhone. Yeah. And how much things changed when we got our iPhones. You, you know, know what? That's such a scary question because that's what I think the first time I've ever thought of it like that. But I definitely remember. I remember getting the first iPhone. And I remember in 2013. I remember. I think Instagram was out in like 2010 or 11 or 12. Original it, I think platform. it was earlier than I that, remember, but people were, mm-hmm. weren't starting to use it until I remember being on it like 2013 and seeing people have year to year old profiles. That's when it was blowing up. I was in middle school at the time. And now that you bring it up, I remember a shift in the kids and everything. No, I'm being dead serious. I remember going into middle school and kids were, everyone would talk to everyone. And everyone was so social and out there. And I mean, I don't even remember, obviously I'd have to check the validity of this, but they were saying that kids nowadays in schools have the same level of anxiety of like people in internment camps. Really? And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on in the last couple of years? And we have to shut it down now, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. this is the only time we have. We're going to raise a whole generation in this, and it's going to be over. But we have to look at this now. I mean, this is potentially the scariest thing we've ever seen. We have record high suicide rates across the country, tons of cases of depression, anxiety being diagnosed everywhere. I mean, insane levels of drug use everywhere. I mean, narcotics have run rampant. It's popularized by major media and culture now. It's become out of control. You know what's and, fascinating about that is that that makes me think about how it's so common for child actors to have drug problems. Yeah. Right? And I've thought about it at times and how thinking maybe they are so used to becoming famous yeah. that they, it's like, Jason and I have talked about this before, like when you get everything you want, you get all the attention you want, and then it's like either taken away from you or you receive something and then you feel like there's nothing left. I wonder if that shift is happening in any of the depression and anxiety and, and struggles mentally that pe- the younger generations are going through is because I think one of the reasons that platforms like Instagram and YouTube are so addicting but also really harmful is because they put people in a place of vulnerability. fame. Yeah, and vulnerability too. Because sure. Because really think about it, yeah. But I mean, going to the fame side of it. Yeah. It is like we are hooked on it because we're constantly getting validation. We're constantly mm-hmm. getting approval. We're also getting criticism. Exactly. So I wonder if it's not that far off from what child actors experience mm-hmm. because they're growing up in front of the camera. So they're getting a lot of fame recognition, but they're also getting that criticism. Sure. And then Instagram is changing the lives of a lot of teenagers that are getting all this success. But you know, maybe you can speak to this too. Of sounds like you've had a lot of success and some financial success as well. I mean, not a lot of 20-year-olds have a, a Model X with a banana ye- banana yellow wrap on it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that sounds really cool, but what's it like to, to get things like that when you're a teenager? You know, speaking on what you're speaking on before, just to touch on it, it's so interesting to see just, just in Hollywood in general, we have so many cases of just drug overdose or depression. In the last even 50, 60 years of Hollywood being around since the 60s, there's so many names to name off, but now you're making an amazing point of that same level kind of being given to an average everyday Joe Blow because you can have 4,000 followers on Instagram now just being a regular person and you can have that regular criticism person. on there, right? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, I, I know what, I'm what you're saying. saying. Like, it's I'm not funny, trying to like, put it down to that level. I'm no, just trying to say it's like, just like an, an average nine to five person who works at a Domino's can have 4,000, 5,000 yep. followers on Instagram yep. legit, and can have enough people to get mean, hurtful comments. And that's mm-hmm. a true story. Now, asking about me, I remember being 17, fresh off of my whole Instagram thing and driving a new like 2015, 2016 M4 and having my Tesla and having an Audi and being like, 
I had my own apartment in downtown San Diego. I was like, this should be what would be happiness to a lot of people. But it wasn't. That was probably some of my most miserable times, I think. And it was really interesting because it kind of gave me a taste into that world and sort of understanding that money will never bring you happiness. But the greatest way someone put it to me was, if you don't have enough money, it's a stress. But once it meets your basic needs, it won't provide you any more joy after that. Didn't you see that, Jason? Like, there's the number. There's a, so there was a study. They updated this study. And it's so fascinating. Did the number up, go Carlo. up? Because I know exactly what you're talking the, about. The number, the number <laughs> yeah. did go up. And, uh, the number that satisfies people? Yeah. And it wasn't just for the US. It was kind of like a worldwide median sort of... I mean, of course, it depends culturally where you're at. Of course. I mean, if you live in Bangladesh versus Bali versus Berkeley, California, obviously the cost of living is different. But sure. their thing was for like a modern society situation in city life. It was like tick over $90,000. It was like, okay... We have not seen past $90,000, and we'll link to this article in the show notes as well so you guys can see exactly. At wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Yeah, and this article is like, yo, you can make beyond 90K. It was maybe 92. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like, you're not seeing an exponential jump in your happiness, satisfaction, or joy beyond Mm -hmm. that number. It's so fascinating, right? Because to your point, and also we hear about like, mo money, more problems, which is so funny, like going down to P. Diddy, but- I think that there's this consumeristic, obviously, um, patterning in our society that bigger, better, faster, more. Of course. It's like, get bigger muscles, date hotter women, get more money, have fancier cars. And yes. like, I know I've been definitely like subject to that sort of pressure and identified with that for so many years. Sure. But you're talking about you've actually lived it. It's like, you've got these fancy cars, yeah. you're a young man, you have this success, you have a dope apartment, yeah. and you're sitting in this apartment like, is this all life this is, is about? Man. No. Yeah. And you know what's so interesting to me is like having that knowledge now being 20, like so many people don't have that, that new Especially at 20, everything. but yeah. some people never have that, That is right? to me the greatest piece of knowledge I know if anyone ever asks me is to wow. know that money isn't everything. Because there's so many people, I'm going to give you two examples. I remember one was a personal example and one was something else. In 2008, you guys are familiar what happened when the market collapsed. Oh yeah. Uh, so many people lost their homes. This included my family. We lived in Rancho Palos Verdes. I've never talked about this, but we did. And so basically, there was a gentleman in, in France, I believe, and he had a, a majority of his money in like American homes and real estate and such. He had $3 billion. He lost $2 billion in 2008. He had a billion dollars life. If you understand it, $999 million. If you want 100 grand in life, take 100 grand, multiply it by 10 times, you got a million. Now take it, 990 <laughs> million. Now add another 10 to it, you got a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. He killed himself over $2 billion because he lost $2 billion. He had $1 billion left. You know, there's so many people that I meet nowadays, and I always ask them, what is it that's continually driving you to do what you're doing? And if it ends up not being like some sort of actual purpose or reason you're there, you can almost count that there's going to be something that's going to happen. It's not going to work out. It's mm-hmm. going to, something's going to go wrong because I don't understand why people ever get in this game for that in the first place. I don't know if you guys are familiar with popular everyday music. There's this uh, artist. He's 16 years old. So you guys can imagine. I mean, now with What's how we name? are, Little Tekka. If you've heard of him, he no. made this brand new track. He made one song. I've actually only heard his one song. I believe it was called Ransom. And he came out and he literally just said, 16-year-old kid, okay? He got on Instagram Live and he said, you are right now happier sitting where you are than your favorite rapper. He told everyone that. He was like... Everyone, this, he says, this is not it. He's got a taste of it. He has one big song. 
And he's saying, this is not happiness. The money, the girls, the cars, it's not it. This mm. isn't what it is. And he's saying so many of them are depressed and everything. He kind of like opened the door to see a little bit inside of maybe some of his friends or people that he knows. But it was so crazy to hear that and to kind of understand that right now, for some reason, everyone, all everyone wants, it seems like, is money, fame, and girls, and cars, and, and all that. But it's like a distant hope that keeps you going until you get it. Yes. And they got nowhere else to advance to. After that. That's the most important part. Yep. Once you're done getting to where you need to go, once your company's top 10 of Forbes list and you made it, you still got to challenge yourself. There still has got to be somewhere higher you got to go. You still got to keep the challenge going. If you just yes. cut it off and coast, you're heading straight for the bottom quicker than you could ever think. You're going to well, tumble I, roll down the hill. Yeah. And I think, you know, Jim Carrey talks about that. That's one of Jason's favorite quotes. I'm sure we've talked about this in the podcast, but oh, yeah. let's repeat it. Well, just I mean, for... you know, Jim Carrey is, it's really interesting to see him as an actor kind of having this, I don't even know what to call it, spiritual awakening the past few I years, like that. all the stuff that he's it's talking been, about. It's been interesting. I've heard some of the stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah and he, he, I mean, he's dropping stuff that like people in Hollywood are not ready for. I mean, you, you see the reactions <laughs> in interviews and people are like, this guy's off his rocker. But when you examine what he's saying, it is very deep and very real. And yeah. one of his quotes is like, I wish that everyone could be rich and famous so they could see that's not the answer. And I remember when that quote came out a few years back, everyone was like, oh, easy for you to say, Jim Carrey. You make $10 million a movie. You've got a McLaren and a Tesla. You live up in the Palisades, big shot. And everyone's judging him. And he's like, like, in interviews, he's like, you're not getting it. Like, you as a being, as a human being, there's more to your evolution and growth on this planet than just collecting things. And that's part of the problem with Instagram, I think, too, is that right now, the people that are really succeeding, it's like, or in YouTube too, like Jake Paul, oh. you go and you just see him <laughs> Jake, yeah. and he's like someone maybe you love to hate or something. No, 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 I go no, through Jake, phases. He's doing good. He's doing good for himself. <laughs> I feel like he, but like he's somebody that I have mixed feelings about because there's part of me that's like, wow, he seems like a really nice guy. I know people that have met him and say good things about him, but then, <laughs> then you see what he's perpetuating and he's yeah. perpetuating that teenage dream sure. of having the house and the cars and, and the, the money. And over, so, yeah. and then you go on Instagram and it's like, that's what really works. It's a lot of people in their twenties, some in their teens that are living these lavish lives that look really attractive. They're basically, it's like all people the superficial no materialism. Problems. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's perpetuated right mm-hmm. now. It is. So, and it's brainwashing it's hard. the kids too, kind of, Exa- because they're exactly. just watching it all day. See, here's yep. the thing that's it's so amazing. It's like that people think money, fame, or cars or any of this is going to make everything better. We're people, right? So we have emotions. Like we have bad days. When have you rubbed a hundred dollars on your chest and felt better? You understand what I'm saying? Like, like what is, I what, tried is it. what is this that it's just going to wipe all of the depress, like all of the anxieties gone? The hundred dollars has taken it and now we're going to throw the hundred away. Where did that come from? Who thought that the, the cure to your bad day was driving a Ferrari down the street? What is that about? You know what I mean? But no. we grow up, you know, even those that didn't grow up with Instagram, they grew up with the movies that perpetuate. Oh, like a true. lot of the teenage movies are based in this same mentality, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I remember one, <laughs> the, for some reason, the first, one of the first that came to mind, do you remember this movie called Blank Check, Jason? See, sometimes Vaguely. I have a reference that Vaguely. he's a little too old for, a- but for, for me, okay. I remember Blank, blank Check. check. Yeah. It was about this kid that is somehow is given a blank check to okay. write out, and he writes it out for some crazy amount of money. Do you remember this movie? And... <laughs> um, you know, he goes and he lives the lavish life, right? And it was like, but it was that concept. It was a really simple concept of a kid. Yeah. What do you do if you could have any amount of money you want? And, you know, we have so many films like that. I'm sure you guys can like list off. There's so many films about kids, preteens, yeah. teenagers, and like 
their lives before and after. Like, this is what happens when I get money and like how exciting it is. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of fantasize about that so much because we think money is freedom. We think money is, is happiness. Yeah. We think money is success. And then if we don't learn these lessons that you're learning, Carlo, then it's like your whole life is like based on whether or not you have that money. Yeah. And, and, and some people, I think also, this is part of the problem too, is that some people never get money. So mm-hmm. they don't even get to experience what you've they experienced. Don't understand. They don't ever learn that yeah. money's not the answer. They spend mm-hmm. their whole lives feeling like they're not happy because they don't have money. Yeah. And I think that's like right? the biggest issue right there because it's like you can, as a person, sit in a room and create your own problems. Like you can do that. You can like sit inside a room and figure out what's wrong and like create stuff. Like that's how good we are at creating our own problems. So when you think of it like that, that's why it blows my mind that like, it's interesting to me. Like I see some people like use it to motivate themselves. Like, okay, I need more money. Like I don't have a lot of money in my bank account and that's good. But it's like, what are you going to do after that? Once that's done, you know, are you going to go stir crazy? I always tell people, I ask this question to so many people and it's so funny that I get the same response almost every time I say, what would you do if you had all the money in the world right now? So like I would say, I usually tell them trillions trillions like not even billions not billions. trillions like go trillion go so much money that like you couldn't spend it if you tried and <laughs> what would you do for the rest of your life starting right now and they always say travel okay you saw everything in 10 years five years i don't care what now you are not just going to travel all the time you can't just be riding jet skis and in Mag- wherever in the Caribbean and then that's going to get exhausting it's get exhausting <laughs> yeah. you know so you're going to have to have something that you're going to have a dedication a passion to something you care about right that's what it's going to boil down to but so many people neglect that for mm-hmm. chasing the money and I know? think you can also use that if that seems too big for you as a listener to think about you can think about anything that you wanted yeah. and what it felt like when you got it like, and then you move on mean, to the next thing. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, I remember being a little kid and getting a toy. And I remember being yes. like six or seven and thinking, I really want this toy right now. I thought about this once. I remember sitting, it was, I was in Disney World with my family and I wanted a model train set from Disney World. I remember this. And my parents <laughs> said no. And I kind of sat there and I was like, all my other toys at home, I really don't care about anymore. Why do right. I want this one so much? Yeah, and, I was like, and that's really evolved of you because most kids, I think maybe that's part of the issue too, is a lot of kids grow up getting whatever they want yeah. in whatever capacity that means, like sure. their parents say yes, or there's the opposite where they don't get what they want. And that's yeah. all, but I feel like there's, those are both challenging things because if you get everything you want and you're just used to being told yes sure. and you don't learn to how, how to appreciate things, that's almost worse than somebody who doesn't get what they want so that every, they appreciate everything. Well, I think what we're talking about, right, is this imprinting, this patterning from all of our childhoods of mm-hmm. as a kid, right, we see what works, sure. what gets us what we want, sure. and what doesn't work. Yeah. And I think yes. that as adults, I mean, a lot of us, I mean, for the most part, we're kind of just like children in adult bodies with technical education. Basically, like, no, for we, real, we, our we are never not children. Exactly. Right? Like, because, no, really, because one, we're always learning. Like, yeah. I mean, whether you like it or not, you're always going to have some capacity of learning or else you're just going to sit at home all day and stare at the wall. Which um, I think some people which do. Which some people do. And yeah, that, that's, very, that's completely true. It, it, we're just, we have a basic understanding of what we're doing here and that's, we kind of just run with it for the rest. But one of the best things, I think, to this point we're talking about, if, if you're a person who is used to getting what you want all the time and as an adult, maybe, you know, as a kid, you notice that badgering your parents or badgering your loved ones, like, 
please, please, come on, come on, come on. Sure. You do that. I mean, I know yep. adults. I, we have friends that yeah. we know. It's like they employ the same methodology. Sure. I do that sometimes. And, and it's like it's like it's like oh, if I just badger someone enough, yes. they'll give me what I want. But there's there's such a tremendous value. I want to speak to this and how this shows up in your life, man. Of like when you don't get what you want, sure. when your dreams don't come true, yeah. when you're not handed the thing that you're so desperate to have. Like, yeah. how has that shown up in your life? And and what do you what do you see as the value in not getting what you want in life? Oh, I think it has such immense value as getting it because there's so much to learn. For example, if you're attempting to do something and you're failing, that is then you can reevaluate what you're doing and go from there. So there's so much knowledge to gain from any time you hit a roadblock or wall or some sort of failure. That's why I always think there's really no such thing as failure. It's just just another chance to kind of go out there and get it. The only time you really fail is when you stop. And kind of speaking on what we were speaking on before, too, is being like, I've seen the cookie cutter best guy out there, right? We're talking about a guy who has, say, his whole relationship life's figured out. Maybe he's got a couple girls after him, whatever. He drives the the new BMW M4. He's got it making $150,000 a year. lives in the West Hollywood apartment. And I always say that like their life is so cookie cutter pattern and they're chasing that, that at some point I always see guys like that break and something happens along the way where that whole mirage that they've maybe built up since childhood of everything's okay, everything's fine, one day comes to a halt and you're like left puzzled because you're like, really, that guy got into some sort of trouble, some, some, something. And it usually ends up because they're, it's too much of a pattern. They're staying in that rotation so long. They're so used to exactly what you're saying. Oh, I'm going to use the same tactic. Or I'm going to keep doing that. And eventually, either they're not satisfied anymore with what they're doing, or it just doesn't work because everything's changed around them. It's that ever-evolving person who understands how to adapt and treat and look. That was one of the greatest lessons my father taught me, is to just step back and look. And understand everything. Get the mm. full picture. Where did your dad learn those lessons? Like, what's oh, his you know story what? that made him so wise? I don't even know because I remember my father was, let's see, they were five or six years old. They lived in Querétaro where they were born in Mexico. And their parents, their mother and father, my grandparents, they came to America to migrate to make more money. And they said, we're going to just have it. We're, we're going to work jobs in the U.S. and send a paycheck back. So they came here and they were working. For five years, my parents didn't see his parents five years as a little child. And he remembers it all, which blows my mind. He moved to the US at the age of 11. And they started like their first little front, which it later became the restaurant. But he never really spoke to his father too much. They didn't really have a really, really close connection, his, him and his father, nor his mother. He went to USC, UCLA, and NYU, but I don't attribute that level of knowledge to that. I think, honestly, the greatest thing was just his ability to want to listen to people and to talk to people. I think he gained that knowledge off the millions of people he's spoken to. I'd imagine, geez, with how, imagine how, how many times he speaks to people during the day. I think that's where he gained it all, just from listening and really being in tune with everything. He always brings up so many points that I don't quite understand or know where they came from. And He's just so attentive. To I think everything. you should have a podcast with your dad. I think I do. And I Honestly, did at one point. That's a dope idea. That would be so fascinating because I because I I remember you telling me that your dad could just like talk and talk and you, you know so you just get him on the podcast. <laughs> you could do a YouTube channel if you right? want. Like that wisdom is really interesting because my grandfather, my dad's a lot like that too. But my grandfather, yeah. his dad, was a lot like that as well, and he basically was blue collar. And you think like, well, how does he, where does this wisdom come from? And sure. I think some people gain the wisdom, either they just have a natural ability to absorb information, yeah. but they also 
are, are very conscious and aware, mm-hmm. right? And so we're very passionate about consciousness and awareness. That's something that we encourage people to yeah. focus on very in their true. lives because that's how you can elevate and feel better. Yes. I think, oh, yes. you know, one of the themes of this discussion we're having right now is just that the unconscious life that a lot of people live. Like, and how, what's that? The routine I was talking about. That's yes. how we become detached and unconscious through yep. falling into that routine. Yeah. Right. And not stepping back and saying, well, how can I make some adjustments? Mm-hmm. And also, as you said about your dad, how can I listen? Yeah. I mean, we right now are in this time of everything's like me, me, me. Like yeah. we, social media is making everybody have a voice. And the it problem is, is yeah. now there's so much noise. So everybody much. wants to get their opinions out there. Yeah. And so we're just surrounded by opinions mm-hmm. and a lot of things we don't agree with. And then people yeah. think, they use that as an opportunity to argue with each other. Yeah. And so instead of just sitting back and listening to one another, it's like, well, I, I'm just waiting for my turn to talk. Yeah. And as you said, a lot of the, th- actually most, if not all of the things we learn yeah. are from listening and absorbing information, not Very putting true. it out there all the time. I think like on this tip, if I, if I may jump in on this, right. And this will bleed into a secondary question for you, brother. Sure. I feel like we're in such a binary system in our culture of one choice or the other, right? It's like, you see this in every aspect of culture. It's like, you know, you're rooting for a sports team. It's like LA versus New York. Sure. Or it's like, you're vegan, you're paleo. Or you're Christian, you're Muslim. Sure. Or whatever. There's a million diametrically opposed things we can have. And if everyone's shouting at each other and no one's listening, I can't get to the heart of the fact. And, and I really believe this to the core of my being is like the people we label as evil or wrong or the people that our society tells us to hate, or all of that is just learned behavior. Because I think if you sit down with a human being and you find out what makes them tick, I think at the core, even though the methods and the strategies are different, people want to, what do they want to do? They want to be safe. They want to provide for their families. They want to know they can live in a safe, healthy environment. They want to know their interests and beliefs are protected. And now some people might go through some violent or subversive methods to try and do that, but if we just sit down with the people we quote oppose or people that are different from us, I think we find out we have a hell of a lot more in common with each other. And I think part of the reason that there's so much divisiveness is people aren't sitting down to your point and talking to each other. Yes, very true. On a basic yes, human yes, level. Yes, yes. What are you I, afraid of? What makes you uncomfortable? Exactly. What are you scared of? Exactly. What keeps you up at night? Mm-hmm. It's probably the same and stuff. So many people yeah. are keeping it bottled up nowadays. No one yeah. will talk anymore. No They're one will afraid. talk. And that's one of the biggest things is like we have so many people have been conditioned to Keep moving fast in your head. Don't pay attention to everyone. This loner mentality that, that they're, they're driving nowadays, and it's creating this, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't, you don't, I don't want to hear my problems. No one's going to hear it. I'm going to bottle up inside, and it gets worse. And, and then they might use social media as an outlet in a, in a negative way. So when you were talking about the negative comments, I think a lot of the times the negative comments that we get on, on social media or YouTube as content creators, but I mean, everybody gets them. As you said, if you're on social media, there's a very high likelihood that somebody is going to say something mean to you, right? Yes, of course. Or something that, that you interpret as, as hurtful, whether it was intended to be or not. Sure. I think sometimes that's uh, people are just airing out their frustrations. Yeah. And so they're bottling it up and it's like, well, it has to go somewhere. Yeah. It's either going to go into your body and cause disease, sure. right? So, so many people are struggling with stress and sleep and, yeah. and illnesses. And a lot of that is just these unreleased emotions. Mm-hmm. But then I think we take it out of one another because we don't know what else to do. Yeah, yeah, there is. And, and, and it can really charge someone up. And I mean, not saying that this is the direct result because obviously I don't know for exact on a lot of these cases, but obviously now we're seeing these immense tragedies across the U.S. 
where people obviously are bearing arms and, you know, gunning down innocent people. Yeah. I read a, something a few days ago that was saying that a lot of things that they had in common was just a general, like, sort of loner type vibe that they all produced. And I'm not saying that that could have been adjusted or fixed. Obviously, I don't know in every each one of those individuals, but it's insane to see that correlation that on top of it all, there was no one around them, right? With everything else added that could have made them tick to that incident. So it's so crazy to see that and to see that all happening. And obviously, these, like I mentioned, these immense tragedies that are happening as a result of it. It's really insane. And it kind of ends up tying into all of it in mm-hmm. some way, shape or form, nonetheless. Yeah. And it, it comes back to this, people are feeling alone. And that's, it's, it's so amazing that society where we are so connected online, we're also feeling so lonely. Yes. And I have day in and day out seen so many people that just don't want to open up, don't want to talk, don't want to figure it out. And also how negative the conditioning is now of today's people. I mean, you hear people being more verbally negative. I mean, you know, <sighs> we need more positivity into the world, into the culture. It starts with thinking positive. It starts with only projecting things that are positive. That starts to recondition your brain in a better direction. These are things that I did personally that worked for me. Mm-hmm. I remember days I was having days and days on end where I felt depressed, defeated. I felt like angry towards people, which is weird. Like just a general like bother, like everyone was bothering me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you're walking around. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Jason's I'm like, like, I, was like I can relate. Like five people in front of me to get a burrito. And I'm like, why are you guys here? Yes. Like, I'm like angry. I'm like, I shouldn't even be mad. But like, this dude looked at me wrong and like, he's in the burrito in front of me. Like, you're getting your burrito first, bro. I'm mad now. Like type, you know, why do you like just to go into that? Like, yeah. why do you think that bothered you? Like what was going on in your um, head that caused that I to bother you I think it so was much? just like that specifically was just, I was in this position where in my mind I was putting everyone else is the enemy against me at that specific time. So like I was in this lone wolf type of mindset of be on the lookout for people doing wrong to you. And I think that bleeds back into something I didn't touch on, which was when I was very younger, I had to move around schools eight, nine times because I got bullied so much. So when I was very young, I, like I said, in the span of maybe from middle elementary, the beginning to middle, the end of the beginning of high school was probably like eight different schools I moved to. That was across different cities and different counties because we couldn't find anything that would work. It was just that I felt attacked by everyone at the school every time I went. So it was like this sort of lonerism mentality. So that's why when I bring it up, when I talk about it, it's so crazy because I felt very pushed aside for so long. I never became the bully. I never wanted to I almost did. This was probably, that was probably the closest it came where like in my head for so long, I felt so thrown aside that it resulted in me sort of having that outlook on people of like making sure they weren't going to hurt me or being frustrated or feeling that it was just me against the world. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people are feeling nowadays is that me against the world mentality. I was in West Hollywood a week ago. And I remember I was driving straight. There was a Starbucks drive through on the right. I pulled in. And this lady to the left of me, she was like driving forward, trying to make a left into the Starbucks, but the space was already there open. So I pulled in and she's yelling me, you cut me off. All that. And I, I didn't even see her. And she starts yelling, cussing. She's like, I'm going to kill you. She started telling me this verbally right there at this. And she's saying, you fat. Da, da, da. And I'm just sitting there wow. hearing all this. Hugo's in the passenger seat next to me. And I want to bring this up, not, I don't normally bring this up. I'm not really an advocate of, you don't really have to say the things you do in life, but I just bring this up to inspire people. I actually ended up paying for her order and I bought her a gift card. 
She uh, was behind she you? She was behind me. Yeah. Dude. So, this woman who's verbally berating you. Yeah. And she said she was going to kill me. You bought her order. Yeah. And you paid for a gift and, card for her. Wait, yeah. what? How did you make that decision? Yeah, why? Uh, why it was why a, did you do that? It was a did, you got, did you talk decision. it over with Hugo at the no, time? No, no. My father used to tell me, because my father, who's Christian, and as am I, he used to tell me, if anyone has ever mean to you, love them, and it's like pouring hot coals on their head. That's what he used to tell me. Because love is something that people can't comprehend when they're angry and it's very oh. frustrating. So it wasn't something that I was trying to like frustrate or hurt her in any way. It was more of I wanted to show her that that she may look at her situation differently and understand and, and really kind of take a step back and look at that bigger picture. So I think that that was just a decision that I made of like, let's see if this can reprioritize her and wow. see if they can help her in her life. Okay, so this is absolutely amazing and fascinating, by the way. And so what did you do? You're in there. So, yeah. so take me through this process in a little yeah. more detail so, quickly. So we and how the, did she react to what you did? We went up to order, and she was behind me yelling at the person who was ordering. And she was literally yelling at the employee, like cussing, continually saying, I'm going to kill you. You don't know who I am. I got your info. She was taking photos of me. She was doing all this. So she was like, it was actually pretty serious if you ask me like, like actually there was being photos taken of me in like of my car and such when i did it i remember i pulled out to the end of the drive-thru and i saw her the last i saw was she looked at me very confused after they told her and that was it and i drove off that was the end of it and I, there was nothing else to hear after that but wow. that was the end of the entire thing and that was basically it in its entirety but that was a very interesting experience i've never really had like something like that but something inside of me prodded to do that and it was in my opinion a good move but it's not the normal reaction you'd expect, for sure. It's interesting to see people. I couldn't help but think and be sad for her while I was experiencing it. That was the only feeling I felt. I couldn't help but see someone who was in turn hurt yelling out everything because there was like no one else there. So it was just me feeling really bad for someone who seemed like they were in a lot of pain. Because you're not going to be saying that stuff if you're not yourself in a lot of pain. Of course. Of course. So, but can you imagine one thing that makes me think of is the times that I have felt really frustrated towards a stranger. Sure. I didn't express it to them. Yeah. I was internalizing it. Yeah. And I think a lot, there's like two sides of it. There's the people that kind of lose their minds, lose their cool, whatever, and take it out on somebody. And then there's people like me who might feel that, but have the self control or whatever you want to call it to not do that. But sure. yet, what happens to those emotions if they don't get let out? Yeah. And so it's interesting to me that it's not only like the people that are expressing it, but what about the people that aren't expressing it? And what, you know what I mean? Like, because I think all of us can relate. Like you got frustrated with that guy getting the burrito before you, right? Yeah. A lot yeah. of us go through that. It's just like and a if basic we don't, And we have the tools. Like the three of us here are very passionate about consciousness, awareness, sure. conscious languaging. Yeah really just trying to stay positive. But that doesn't mean that we have it all figured out all the time. No. There are definitely times that we either lose our cool or sure. we get upset, we react to things. And so my heart goes out to somebody that doesn't have those tools yet yeah. because it's an even bigger struggle. And they might feel very conflicted about how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, like, maybe that manifests into some of the massive amounts of violence. It is. It's, or maybe it manifests into the suicides or, or, or to the abuse or like, all of these different things that we struggle with as human beings. 
You know, I bring it up because um, actually on the way over here, I was viewing this program. It's on Comedy Central. It's called Alternatino. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's a new program out on Comedy Central. And it was interesting because normally it's like a comedy program, but I was watching like a, a YouTube snippet on the way over here. And it seems like it came out a few days ago. Clicked on it. And it was like a, you know, those courses they have for when you, if you come migrate to the US, you have to go through a course to be a US citizen. So that's like the course you take. So he was in the course, and they were discussing. The this is a topic. skit. This is a skit. Okay. So they were discussing the topic of mass violence or mass shootings, and this one gentleman stands up and he goes, "I'm from, I believe it was Mexico," and he said that in his country there's the cartels and they act in violence for cartel matters. So, for example, if you are against the cartels, you have potential to get you know gunned down, so on and so forth. And he was asking the teacher. He was saying, "So what cartel was the El Paso?" Sh- Basically, like type thing. Well, like, what was the story there? Like, very confused, just in- inquisitive. And he was like, there was nothing. Like, he didn't get anything out of it. And they're like, what do you mean? They're like, like he was. There was like something happening. And he was like, no. Like, it was just loneliness and abandoned. They're just this feelings that they were going off of, going in there and doing it, and, and just hurting innocent people. And it was sort of this boggling back and forth. There was no humor attached to it. It was just this sort of mind opening thing of people not even understanding what was going on. People saying there's someone killing other innocent people for no reason, just walking in somewhere. Obviously, the reason is behind the person who's doing it, and that's what we don't know. But it's obviously atrocious and horrible, and, and it's, it's so insane to think, but that also brings it to a level that's sort of understandable of what is going on here. There's a, there is a problem that we can understand. Even now with the talks becoming greater, which is good amongst the people, just understanding what is it of course, some gun reform and other things that could help us. What is it that could t- take us in a progressive direction, not only to address that issue, but also address the people themselves, right? right? To address the people's mindset and understand how we can have outreach programs for people in those predict that are, you know what I mean? Other mm-hmm. outreach that we can offer for yeah. people that are have mental issues or that are going through something like that. I mean, there's so many things. There's so many mental diseases nowadays that are coming up and out. And I mean, I believe uh, there was one that I, I was turned on to a few days ago that I did not know of previously that I was looking at. It was like bipolar schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And it was just like noises and things and voices <sighs> you can hear. And I mean, it's so amazing to me that with everything that we have nowadays, why people wouldn't want to be more open. I remember, I mean, even through everything that I've been through where you, people berated me for so long, I always wanted to be open because I felt that being open and talking is the first step to fixing it. Or like trying to fix it because you can bounce back and forth with other people and see what they have to say or if they face similar issues. And then you can see if they have the answer to it potentially. Well, what's really interesting is that when I think of that, I think back to being in school. Sure. And I feel so fortunate that I went to a school with really good teachers and there was a level of consciousness there, whether it was intentional or not. Yeah. And so a lot of us develop our sense of selves, not just from our family, but from the school system. Yes. And we also know in the U.S. in particular that the school system isn't always that great. It's kind of a luck of the draw for you bouncing around to so many different schools. There's so many factors. It's not just like the system, but it's the teachers. It's the other students there. It's, It's just so many things. And when you're talking about this openness, I think back to being in the classroom and, you know, You'd raise your hand, you'd ask a question, and sometimes you'd feel like it was a stupid question. You'd feel ashamed for it. Or you'd be in a situation and you'd get laughed at for something you wasn't expecting. And all these like kind of 
emotional challenges. Yeah. And suddenly some people just start to shut down exactly, in school. Shapes, they let it shape them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. And I think that's like one of the biggest challenges because schools are so focused on educating us with facts, but very few schools are focused on what the emotional experience is for the students and how to aid them. That's because right. if yeah. you shut down when you're 10 or younger or even 18 and younger, your brain is still evolving so True. much at that point. You're so susceptible that if you never learn how to get through that, your whole life is going to be a challenge yeah. unless somebody, something else happens that can shape you. That's so amazing too because when you think about that, it's like that's like could be one of the greatest options too is offering courses in schools that are required to be taken that just offer like basic support and like you can go in there and you can have conversational skills that are teach or you can have like mindfulness or you know what I mean? Basic things of trying to be better to as a society together. Because yes. really, it should all be about love and loving each other. And if that's the driving, fueling force, you'd be surprised how much further we can go. And Absolutely. amazing if like these courses were provided now, what potentially we don't know could have been averted. We don't know. What could have changed? Who could have gotten some support that shifted their mindset? You know what's so amazing is there actually have been some school shooters that decided not to that have actually spoken out i don't know if you've ever seen these uh there have been a few that have been there was one gentleman i remember he was in his 60s i don't remember his name i read a few months ago where he actually specifically said that he had a weapon purchased and everything but he decided not to go with like through with it and it was a very trying experience and um it all kind of led around him feeling very individual and everyone was against him and no one loved him and it kind of all led back to that it was interesting because that was one where we it was proven that he said those were the feelings that got him to that point that manifested in in a dark manner that he allowed to get there and obviously with some of his choice almost went through with that but it's interesting to kind of hear that and then understand so we would know the potential benefits of what something like that could do i think the other thing is that because school systems, at least in the U.S., are so regulated by the government, right? And if you disagree with the government, or even if you agree, right, sure. there's so many politics that go into schools, yeah. is that as a listener, if you're a parent, you can take the initiative to educate your child at home, at least, because you might not be able to control what happens at school. Yeah. But for you, Carlo, I mean, the impact that your dad had on you mm-hmm. is massive, Yeah. right? So I think your story is really empowering just to remind us what we can do with our family members. You don't even have to be a parent. No. I mean, you could no, be a sibling. And, and, it could, you could be an aunt or an uncle. You, yeah. you know, this could be your friend. Like, the impact that one person can make on your life mm-hmm. by really holding space and being a great example and yeah. teaching you things and listening and allowing you to be yourself and, and, and encouraging you to evolve is really huge. And, I, and so if we can't change it in the schools that easily, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of this is privilege too, sure. right? Sure. It's the privilege of going to a good school system. Yeah. It's the privilege of having a good family. Sure. A lot of people do not have that. Yeah. And I mean, there's just so many factors. No, <laughs> you know, we really could is. go on and on about this. We really but could. We're sadly running out of time here. And I think I would love to hear from you, Carla, before we wrap up, like based on everything we've discussed today, whether it's this specific topic or other things that we've touched upon today, what's your best piece of wisdom? I mean, you can come back to what you said earlier. Yeah, I think that we need to be loving and have a lot of support for people. I think if we're very open with it and we we're very verbal and, and even as people if you feel reclusive and you understand that the people that love you around you will most likely 
listen to your problems and they're not going to think that it's wrong or amiss. We have to understand something. Us being humans, we go through 99%. It's all the same stuff across all of us. And if we can understand that and band with that unity, there's comfort in there. Be having a group of people, friends, family, loved ones in general that you come together with and that you kind of can just confide in and really go through with, that's one of the greatest things. That's the greatest piece of resource I can really advise someone with because if you can just have enough love in your circle around you, everything's going to be fine. But how do you get there? I feel like that most of the listeners are going to get that, but there might be someone listening who doesn't feel like they can do that. So do you have any tips for somebody who feels like they don't have any friends, nobody yeah. cares about them. Sure. Like I mean, because you went through bullying, which I didn't really experience. I don't know if you experienced that, Jason. Oh, we. <sighs> I wanted to topic. dig it. I wanted to dig in. Maybe we'll we come might, back we again. Yeah, that's we're going to need to bring I'm you right back. I you, think dude. we are going to. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, Jason, feel free to weigh in this too. This is a conversation here. There are so many people that just say, "I'm lonely. I don't know what to do," or yes. "Nobody cares about me." And whether that's true, just their perception. Sure. What is the simplest way that you could help them figure out how to start reaching out? Greatest thing, greatest, great, great, great question. I think the greatest way is to follow your passions because through that, I've met so many amazing people, whether it's if you like to paint, if you like to draw, try to find a painting or a drawing class locally. I literally do these things. I literally go to local painting classes. I do. I really do. It's something that it's just if you can find commonality in something, someone else in the same thing. You can really start up a great friendship and have a great foundation to lay that on. So that's truly one of the greatest places. You well, you wouldn't be here if we didn't have Teslas in exactly, common. Right? I exactly. Mean- See, that's the thing about people. I've always said, it's weird that in this society, we don't walk up to people randomly and say hello. Right? For like sure. if you walked up to someone randomly, they'd be a little like weirded out. Like you're like, hi, what do you want from me? Like that's, I don't like that. Why can't we have a society where we say hi to someone? It's, you know, when you like walk down the street in your neighborhood? You say hi to somebody and it's normal. It's like, hi, oh, how's yeah. it going? How are you oh, doing? Yeah. That's normal. We need to have that everywhere. Yep. If, if we can have more of that open platform, we can have people give and receive more love. See, that's really the issue is so many people feel that it's like the walls are closing in. Either they feel, I don't want to say these things because I feel like people would judge me or they're feeling, I don't want to share it. I don't want to put it out there. But it, that's never really the case. It's all kind of just up in their head. Mm-hmm. And know? the commonality is this huge too. I mean, you could see someone with a t-shirt, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Or a hat, like yeah. it, maybe your favorite sports team. That's yeah. a common thing. You and know? just start up conversations with yes. that. I've always said- It sounds it's so like, scary, but I mean, it, it really is. what you're you saying know, you know what is just to do. to do it. Yeah. You know what I used to do when I was younger too? I used to challenge myself. So I used to like, usually I do it when I was like at an event or something where like, at least there's some sort of common ground there. I would like have my friend point at someone and I would have to go <laughs> talk to them. You'd That's have to find amazing. a, a conversation. And then the fear and the discomfort, right, that arises from but that. You can exactly begin to overcome it because yes. you have to start figuring out ways. Yeah. I remember starting conversations about bathroom lines and like, and then yeah. it would go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, true. It's it, like, and there's this great book and TED talk about this man that did the, overcame his fear of rejection wow. simply by practicing getting rejected. Really? So yeah, I think wow. it's, it's something called, I'll put it in the show notes at wellevator.com. And he, there's a great TED talk, but if you want to read the book, he talks about all the different ways he forced himself to be rejected. And what he learned was rejection became less scary and more comfortable because he was used to it. So to your point, it's like you got into that situation. You forced yourself to Mm -hmm. do something over and over and over again, and it became easy over time. Yeah. yeah, That's a great great tactic for people to use too, because like you said, some people feel like they don't have anyone. They can't develop those skills. That's a cool trick you can use to kind of like begin to, 
it's practice makes perfect. Yes. You really got to get out there and do it. That's one of the greatest things. Well, that's, I mean, the whole theme of this is about getting out of your comfort that's zone it. because the best things in life are on the other side and of discomfort. It's you so know? true. And it's weird because your comfort zone is this weird thing that lives inside you that just makes you feel uneasy. But at the same time, like when you're in there, it's kind of like now I've found to know that that's a good place to be because you're learning. Yeah. And don't you think like as we're wrapping this up that sure. so many times when we are faced with a situation or talking to someone or starting a business or all the things we do as humans, that the idea of pain, the idea of discomfort is often of not as it's an idea because when you actually talk to the person it's not as bad. or start the business or do the thing on the other side of it you're like oh that was all in my head have you ever and noticed it's all in like, your head it's a kind of finish up with on top of that like something you worried about last week if you think about it right now it's like was i even Dude, thinking like completely <laughs> completely yes. so just that's kind of the cherry on top with that don't worry be happy and just live in love. I think that's the greatest way to say that's it. Phenomenal and, advice, um, Carla. Yeah. That will kind of continue to make the world a greater place. Have conversations as much as possible. Put your yeah. phone down and talk to people. I think that's a really great one because, like, you can gain so much from it. You guys can you can do your phone all night. Go just when you're in public, live in the moment. That's what I always tell people. Just live in the moment and enjoy. So, Carlo, if people want to find you, dig what you're doing in the world. Yeah. How can they find? What do you want to send people to? The easiest thing ever. It's literally my name. It's at. It's Carlo, so I-T-S-C-A-R-L-O-M-O-N-T-E-S. It's Carlo Montes. And we'll put that link in the show notes at yeah. wellevator.com for everybody to find. And everything's on there, so it's all And so Instagram connected. yeah, and other platforms as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Facebook, that's more personal, but no. <laughs> but no, yeah, Instagram's like my main one where I have everything, right? I don't yeah. really have anything else public besides that. You know, yeah. for all the downsides of Instagram, it's also a really wonderful way to it's connect with people when you do it correctly, it right? Is. Yeah, it's straightforward, and it's a really good tool. And I think we have to remember it's a tool and not kind of integrate it so much yes. into our lives. That's one of the greatest things. But mm-hmm. yeah, to kind of just end it all out, it's been fantastic. And you have a podcast I, too. I do. It's coming. It's coming. It's we'll put coming. that in the show notes yeah. when it's ready. Does it have a name yet? No, but it's part of like, this other thing that's really big and I haven't announced okay. it yet. So hopefully around that time, Teaser. we'll make sure to come back Just let on. us know. We'll put it in the show notes. It's big. Yeah. And it's awesome. going to be tied into the store as well. So it's going to be fun. We're cool. going to have a store coming soon as well. So it was fantastic. But yeah, that's pretty much my best advice to give is live in love and love and enjoy and do what you love to do and have fun with it. The person who's having the most fun wins. Someone once told me that. Dude, that's a quote. You know what? We're gonna throw, we're, that. we're gonna we're gonna. That's a quotable man. That is, a, is among many quotables. Carlo, you are just an open, beautiful, loving human being, Thank and it's so been much. such a pleasure having Thank you on the you show. Thank you so much man. for having yeah. me. You guys are doing such great stuff, and I look forward to watching all your guys' other podcasts. I'm gonna be listening. I'm one of the listeners. I want you guys Aww. to know that I am going to be one of the listeners for sure. So best luck with what you guys are doing. We as appreciate well. that. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.